It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Who would ever have a day in the life of an Evertonian? Uh, what more happens? What more is going to happen? Obviously, on the Blue to Me, we're going to discuss it all. It's me, Dave Downey, with Peter McFarlane. Um, and we had, we had quite a large discussion before we started this, and... Normally we we do that before podcasts and just make sure what directs we're going in, what we want to discuss and all that, um, and what we what we found difficult to do, Pete, which we went off on a bit of a tangent, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. What 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 did even start with with this football club anymore? Um, I'd I'd say even though still things are banging on, it was Frank Lampard's presser today, which I haven't had a chance to listen to myself yet. But there's that, there's everything that's happened that is involved. Uh, you know, people confrontations. It's involved allegations. It's involved. It, it, it's it's basically been like the soaps, hasn't it? I mean, I'm not a fan of EastEnders, but I expect it's something similar to what you see going on at Everton Football Club these days. <laughs> well, I mean, one thing you can guarantee, Dave, is that someone at Amazon Prime is probably absolutely kicking themselves that they haven't uh, they haven't <laughs> been following us around with cameras, and not even just this year, but for the past two years, they've missed out on gold, haven't they? But like you say, it's a script straight out of Hollywood, and I say script um, because there's no there's no other way to to, to, to look at it. Um, I mean, I, I was absolutely floored after Saturday, and it wasn't just about the results; it was. It was about everything that surrounded the game, everything that came out before the game. Um, I thought that the fans were exceptional, um, yeah. barring, a, barring a couple of people chasing some cars at the end of the game, which obviously we don't condone. But, no. you know, before before the game, the coach greeting, fan, fantastic. Um, I think this, the players are in no, you know, would have been in no doubt that they were going into that stadium with the full support of the supporters. Um the protest at the end, I stayed behind myself and I thought, again, exemplary. It was brilliant. Um, the fans were so well behaved. Um, you know, there was no flashpoint. The police seemed to be actually, to be fair to them, the police and the stewards seemed to, to steward it really well. Um, there was no, you know, there was there, there was no sign of a kickoff or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just done in a really, really good way. Um, and I thought, and I actually thought the fans did themselves proud and certainly mm. going into the game um, off the back of this... Uh, these leaks, not even official statements from the club, but leaks, which um, let's be honest with the timing of it, 
were yeah. done at a time with purely with the um, with the idea of of putting the fans in in the. Well, it was dubious at the time. Pete wasn't. I think that's the thing to say. It was dubious, to, and and people are going to look at it and be a little skeptical of the timing of things and the way in which they happened, the way in which they were said, and the fact that there's a lot of silence from certain directions of the football club. I think you know it, it's pointed people in the direction they think is is not one hundred percent certain about what's gone on in certain issues. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The thing is, though, Dave, is that when you've got accusations which are so serious, you can't be ambiguous about it. You just cannot. You you, you can't. You can't throw out allegations of of people being put in headlocks mm. and and supporters sending death threats and, and and all this sort of thing. Um, sort of wrapped in this um this sort of uh, story of the fact that the, the board of directors were were told to stay away from the game because of you know for their own safety and all this sort of thing and it's really sort of it's spinning this story of ultra violence ultra aggression mm. ultra you know you know a really serious safety hazard and then two days later Merseyside police come out and say they knew nothing of it Merseyside police the people who were in charge of of the safety of everyone in the football stadium were not informed of death threats of assaults serious assaults um, they were not so they there's a safety briefing with with Merseyside police before any game at Everton or Liverpool. It's one of the main things that they do. They they have to categorize as you, you know, as if they've come out since and said about categorizing games, categorizing mm. fixtures. They've now said that Arsenal is high risk. They said that they had Southampton down as high risk. Well, I'll also tell you now that the Derby will be high risk, the Man United game will be high risk, the you know. The Chelsea game will will be high risk. This high risk thing isn't something. It's not like Defcon One, where it's like you know it, it, attack is in, imminent. This I compared is, it to Call of Duty at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, literally, no. It's not, it's not like attack is imminent. This is this is just a, a regular thing that happens at football games where tensions are high. They will have extra police. It's just it's been framed in this in this way to sort of almost suggest as if you know that the fans are out of control and that they're out for blood and. It's it, it just couldn't be any further from the truth. And one of the things we were we were saying about from, you know, from before we came on um, this incident, which obviously we don't know the full details, and this is why it's so dangerous because we don't know the full details. Mm-hmm. It's not good enough for the club to just simply say we're not going to comment on things. In fact, they'd said on one on I think it was Monday that they weren't going to comment on anything it, in a, in a, an official statement to BBC Radio Merseyside. But yeah. then the following day, or was it Tuesday and Wednesday, whichever way round it was, the following day, they followed it up by this leak from the club, who I'm assuming is the same one who, who leaked the story in the first place. Um, this leak is then doubled down on, on some, of the, some of the details. Um, the suggestion... We're going to talk on historical incidents, I think is what they said, yeah, isn't it? That's, on, what, on the... that's what they said, yeah. And then yeah. they specifically talked about about previous matches. They didn't even say it was a Brighton game, by the way, about this this incident with Denise Barra Baxendale. Um, the initial reports were saying that she was manhandled by someone uh, leaving the ground. Now they've said that it was a, you know, and then this thing about headlock, specifically headlock, was was thrown into the equation. Now a headlock for me, when it's when it's surrounded by, you know, um, the board are terrified for their safety, the fans have, have been sending death threats. When you throw in the word headlock, that suggests to me that that's a violent, intentional, violent act, a threatening, intentional, violent act yeah, upon yeah. a member of the board. Not someone who's been a bit overzealous, who's had a few drinks, who puts their arm around someone and says, all right, come on, you mm. know, you better sign some players as someone else has suggested may have happened. We don't know. And the point is, we don't know, Dave, but what I would say to you is, is that if a member of 
a Premier League football club was put in a headlock, a violent headlock. The police would have been informed, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. The police have confirmed they weren't. Secondly, in this thing that came out yesterday, um, the club of or this person from the club who's unnamed still, um, suggested that the, the the security staff spoke to this individual, but he wasn't <laughs> removed. Um, also, they said that the reason it wasn't reported to the police was because Denise Barrett-Baxendale didn't want to take it any further, didn't want to escalate it to a, to a criminal matter. Well, I'm sorry, but you've got two ways of looking at that. Firstly, either she didn't believe it was worth, <laughs> mm. you know, worth it because it wasn't a deliberate, violent, intentional act to cause harm, which, in my opinion, you know, you can weigh that up. The second, the other way to look at it is, is that it just wasn't, it wasn't big enough to actually to warrant being spoken to by the police because it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm. But whichever but the, way... the final one I'll add to that, Pete, sorry to interrupt me. The, yeah. the final one I'd add to that is, surely you're in the middle, uh, in, sorry, in, in the central room of a Premier League football club, as you've rightly said there. Yeah. The only time when it's not, you're not able to visibly see Denise Barris-Baxendale is when she maybe goes to the loo or anything like that. So therefore, where's the witnesses? Yeah. Where, where are the people that are able to... To, to to be able to to say that this actually happened, yeah, There's none of that. I haven't seen anybody come out and say anything like that. I haven't um, heard this. I haven't heard a sniff of it, Dave. And I mean, no. I mean, like from from we the have, it, it is important to say. I mean, it's still it's still alleged, but yeah, for then the police to come from initially, I read this on the pod that we did the other day. Um, initially, I read this as the police. The police have finally been contacted by the club in order for them to be able to say, oh, the police are investigating this because it did happen. But actually, the way the police have been involved is because fans have gone to them and said, "Yeah, there's this agenda that's come out there. It's been aimed towards fans. Can you tell us what's happened? And the police have come out and said, nothing's happened. Yeah. It's not verbatim, obviously, but they've said, we haven't had any reports. We haven't had people making allegations to them personally. That, that, to me, makes the football club bang to rights, in my opinion, that yeah. this has just simply been a really, really poorly built um, effort of PR, effort to making the the agenda and making the narrative point towards fans rather than the, the club itself. And in typical Everton style, in regards to the way our board has been for, well, since probably me and you were born, yeah. the way in which that's been the case... It, it just shows you the incompetence of everybody who is involved at that level. It makes them look, it's ironic for them because it makes them look even worse than what we, they were already being criticised for anyway, doesn't it? It does. And and the other way to look at it, Dave, as well, is that when this person who keeps uh, speaking to the press anonymously, uh, when when they've come out and said that the reason it wasn't reported <clears> to the police was because Denise Barabaxendale didn't want it to be reported to the police, well, that person has then made the decision upon themselves to then yeah. leak that to the press without any context, without any any details. They've just leaked that to the press. Yeah. And when it has on... been, why is she not then feel obliged to come out and actually explain it? Yeah. You know, she's the I... CEO of a Premier League football club. The, yeah. the whole the, the, the media side of it, which obviously many, many people we know have received certain criticisms because they've just simply reported it. Um, and people have obviously been really, really angry about this, but 
when when you look at it in that situation and everything you've mentioned there is absolutely spot on the something really really stinks with all of this um for a person like it, it, it's like that type of thing is that if somebody come out and said if I have I come out and said to you Pete that you'd slap me in the face hmm. I have to have firstly evidence of that I have to have people witnesses hmm. I have to then be able to if my mum come out and said that you'd slap me but I didn't I have to then double that down I I, I can't say I can't go out and say nothing and just let me mum crack on with saying it to the police and everybody else. I yeah. would eventually have to come out and say something. And yeah. yet this hasn't happened. And for this then to be doubled down on the narrative of the board itself has gone away and hidden. And and, and they've tried to express it. And the thing that did make me smirk um, quite a lot was when against uh, Southampton on, on the TV, on Match of the Day and all that, um, when you can see the camera pan towards the uh, director's box, and all of the seats of the the directors that aren't there, it was empty to make it, it made it try to look really big and obvious that yeah. this was, and, and I'm thinking, they don't all sit like that. It's normally like uh, Bill next to here, and then everyone else is sort of dotted around in various areas, yeah. like, like like Graham Sharp and whatnot. They're all in different parts of that, that part of the stadium. But simply on this particular day, it so happens just to be there are five or six row uh, seats in a row that are all empty. I just think it's so blatantly obvious that it looks so so poor. And whoever it is that runs it at the, at the club, the media side of stuff, um, you probably go as far as people having to sign certain things that they weren't allowed to say. Um, yeah. That gets to that extent. You're like, what on earth are we fans of here? Because at the end of the day, <laughs> as passionate as we are. Um, as much as we do this podcast, and we have done for over a decade, how much we love our football club, like most fans who do exactly the same thing, you're then in a position of thinking, hang on, this is only this is meant to be a Premier League football club. And like yeah. you've said, it, 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 it's being made to sound like prison break. <laughs> yeah. The insanity, yeah. the level at which it's got to. Now, then I'm starting to think, Peter, to go, to go in a different direction with this. If you're a member of the board... And there's this sort of criticism. It it really, it, it staggers me that I look at that group and think, does not one of them think that it might actually make a little bit more sense to actually come out and say something? As annoying and as angry as fans are about the way in which the club is right now, to completely go into silence is the, the, the direct opposite direction, isn't it, of making people feel any better? Because... Yeah. It, it makes it it makes it more ob- obvious by the fact they're not there. It, <laughs> it it's I don't understand, and, and it, it, I don't like ever targeting people with saying things like this. But how can you be that thick? Yeah, yeah. It, it just doesn't it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense, and it looks like on someone half assed or either that or really poor at their job has said, you know what, we'll go down this direction with the PR, with the football club. And if it appears that we can then put out there that one of our, well, the CEO of the club has been assaulted, this will turn towards fans and people will be thinking, how poor are Everton fans? Thankfully, it hasn't happened. Aside from what you said about a few few idiots running after fans, eh, running after players in their cars and whatnot. Aside from that, I think tens of thousands of other fans have looked at each other and thought, hang on. This isn't right one bit at all. And they haven't stood for it. Yeah. And 
that to me leads me to the stage of the the million dollar question really is how how when do these come back and say anything? When is it that they get back to Goodison the Arsenal game? Is, no it, is it any of the others with Leeds and Villa who we've got coming up in February? Are they going to come back? They've, they've I, just I, made them go back, but I don't think any of them are, are ever able to come back in the foreseeable future. So what no. do they do about the club? <laughs> well, that's it's it, nuts. surely. How, how can you be in the capacity to be able to run a successful business if, one, you alienate all your fans or slash customers? <laughs> you know, so so you, so you basically, you, they've, they've ticked every box of what not to do. They've literally ticked every single box. They've they've abandoned the post. Yeah. They've 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 slandered their entire fan base slash cut like customer base. Yeah. Um. They've been caught out basically in, uh, let's call it an exaggeration. At, if I'm being <laughs> if I'm being really generous, they've been caught out in an exaggeration. Um. I'm being called out for that by the police by Merseyside police. Um, mm-hmm. and then they've also bottled it and not turned up for a game. Now, do you know what the do you know what the, do you know what the mad thing is, Dave? All that had to happen before Southampton, all that had to happen was the, for the board to come out and say, given the high tensions within mm-hmm. within the support, you know, we acknowledge that there's there's some fan unrest. We um, acknowledge that there's going to be a protest after the game, which is the you know the right of the supporters, yeah. and we fully stand by the supporters for their right to tell you know we are listening. But given given the heightened tensions, we believe it's in the best interest of Frank and the players for us to stay away from this game. You know, um, basically because we we believe um, it's a distraction that the players and the and the and the fans and the manager don't need. Um, we will be back. You know, we'll be we'll be in touch with you this week to discuss or to, to make some kind of yeah. statement. They would have left it at that before the game. Even if they wanted to come out afterwards and said, you know what, we've received some some messages or whatever. If they wanted to do that, sound, do it on Monday if you want. But leading up to the game, just release that statement so you're not going. And everyone would have been like, yeah, do you know what, they've bottled it. But at the same time, at least we would have been able to say, right, okay, they're not here, let's move on. Adding all of this, like Hollywood into it, all of this bizarre like conspiracy theories of death threats and the army and you know <laughs> former army. police oh. and you know literally like ex-army oh we, we, we got advised by ex-army and ex-police why throw like our own private security mm. what was the um what was the specific term intelligence had received yeah. intelligence no you probably got a couple <laughs> of emails off of some of some idiots who's, who's a bit pissed on a you know on a friday night or a thursday night or whatever that's all it is it's a couple of idiots who, who are spouting off now if you've got security just make sure to sat next to you that's simple. Mm. Don't 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 like don't make it into something as a, like you've said like something out of Prison Break or the James Bond movie. Yeah. Just it's really simple. You've had it right. People are annoyed, obviously, so that's why they've made it. They, they've made it a you know a high high risk game because it's obvious, isn't it? There's going to be a fan protest. There's going to be a coach greeting beforehand. High risk just means more police. That's all it yeah. means. It doesn't, it doesn't mean they think there's like something serious is going to happen. They don't they don't think it. They're just preparing to make sure it doesn't. Like it astonishes it, me. It astonishes me that if you're in a situation where you know you're going to be in the eye of the public, and I mean, don't mean in the eye on the telly or whatever. I mean, in the eye of you are in direct, like you know, within within the length of them, within the same room as them, and Everton are in the situation they're in with protests happening with fans 
not happy and angry and whatnot and protests on their way. If that's the case and you know you're amongst the, the group of people that are going to be referred to when people protest and are angry with, the very first thing you would do as the as a person out in the public eye is have security around you. Yeah. That that's what staggers me so much, probably more than anything else, really, Peter, is that like you've said there, if you're in a room, and, and I suppose first of all, you wouldn't go near other people, you'd try and stay away from it anyway. Like you said, release an intelligent, slightly intelligent statement and say, Look, we realize this is this is we're in a really bad situation here. Let, let's back the players. Let's back, let, let you do what you want to do fan wise in terms of your opinion. Do that safely. Um, I know there's, there's going to be a few nutters all the time, isn't there? When there's tens of thousands of football fans in the same place. But aside from that, it's, you know, do a, a safe, peaceful protest is the term, isn't it? Do that. And then we'll let things calm down. Where they've doubled down for me is. Where this silence has come from them makes things even worse because, firstly, they haven't said a word. And secondly, you know, and I'm going to get onto this in a second, in the second half of this podcast is, is what this means in terms of regards to the actual team and squad itself. But then, like I said, you're in a public place, i.e. where there's, um, you know, you're able to go to the bar. If there's fans going to be in around you, you've, you've gone into the when they've gone in and, and been paid, paid the extra money to be able to do that sort of thing after the game and you know you get to meet a couple of the players and whatnot. That that is that the, the, there are so many different individuals there for protection. Mm. Sadly, because that's the way the modern day is, isn't it? The way the way things work. You have to have levels of security, stewards. Um, and like you said, even th- there will have been police individuals who work for the police in and around that that particular area where this has happened. No mm. doubt about that whatsoever. That will that will be the case. That'll be the standard procedure in every football club where the staff who do that will be the last ones that go home mm. after the directors have gone, after everybody else has gone. And then to wait what several days before we hear it come out. It just Ten days. the more the more and more we're talking about this, the more and more I'm like it's so laughable that it it just it, it makes you more fear. It makes it even worse. It makes you feel even worse. Which obviously, their intention of what they've said has probably been to try and cool people down, and all look at each other and say, "Oh, we can't be doing that as fans. That's going too far." Where in fact, it's made people feel a lot more angry, um, treated essentially treated like shit. And do, do you know what the, that you, you've the other thing as well there, Dave? And this is a massive. Yep. This is this is a thing. In, us Evertonians, if we thought for a second, and if we if we were told the full facts, and we've been told that a female member or any member of the board of directors was assaulted, physically assaulted, and the way it was framed was it that it was violent, not like not not someone overly friendly. The way it was framed around the the the, the story of fan, you know, violence, basically threats of violence, and then throwing this thing about a headlock slash, you know, being manhandled. If we thought that that was the case, if that had happened and someone would have come out the day after the Brighton game and said, this this happened, Evertonians would have been an uproar. We would have turned around and said, right, who did it? What happened? We want to know. And it wouldn't have been questioning it. We would have been saying, who was it and what mm. happened? Because we don't accept that. 
we don't want that to happen to anyone. We would have stood up for it. We would have stood up against it. The fact is, is that it's taken 10 days for them to even for this to even be mentioned through an unofficial channel, as a you know, not not with you know, no one's put the name to it. It's come through an unofficial channel. It's not been reported to the police. Denise apparently didn't want it to be reported to the police, but then they've gone above her head and reported it in the in the press. Mm. And then on top of that, the other thing that really annoys me is that if the incident was serious but wasn't reported, what kind of message does that send to every other fan, to every other female fan going to Goodison Park or, yeah. or any or any football ground? If someone's put in a headlock, which is what's been you know alleged. Someone's put in a headlock, as I say, framed as a violent act, but that wasn't acted upon, not only by the person who it happened to, which she's within her rights, but her employers haven't done anything about it and the police haven't done anything about it. I'm sorry, but anyone going to a football match deserves to feel safe. And if that's the type of attitude that the people at Everton have, which I, you know, the security staff at, at Everton have, which I don't think they do, by the way, because, I, I, you know, the ones I know are actually spot on. The stewards mm. I speak to all the time, they're great. I, I am yeah. erring towards the side of, let's be honest, this has been massively, massively exaggerated um, because I, don't, I just don't buy it for a second. I don't buy it for a second that that could have happened. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say this straight. I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. No, and, and, and the thing is, other people were ready to call it out as immediately as they found this out. But I'd, I'd like to think quite level-headed people here on the Blue Room, things that we discuss. It, uh, I, I think there's a high level of intelligence amongst the people that we have on and whatnot. Um, and even for us to say that with with probably 100% guarantee in our minds that this did not happen and it was done for a, for a reason that is is really quite sad from the, the board itself um, to, to have to feel as if it's necessary to do that, but also to then just put the whole narrative towards fans is quite sickening, really, when you think about it, isn't it, Pete? And, and, and now, like you've just said there, the, the context that it's in, they, they, they've created something that can just continue now. Yeah. Like you say, oh, you know, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a young female that goes the game and I've found out that a fan has put another female into the headlock, regardless of whether it's a CEO or not, would that make me think twice about going the game? Would would you, as a person, as a CEO, or as um, a, 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 someone who's on the board of, of directors, think it's you're happy and content to go as far as making it doubt women going to the game? Yeah, I, I in fact, you know, I, obviously, it, it never happens or ever happens any sort of that that sort of assault stuff that that, that has been allegedly dictated by the football club. But if if you're in a position where you're willing to try and cover your own back by saying that and, and 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 coming out with these alleged things that have happened. Surely somebody looks at the other person and says, do you know what? Do you not realise that the connotations of this, if, if, mm. if you're saying this has happened, would, would people then still take their younger ones to games if they think that's happens, if Evertonians get as, as angry as what they've said? Yeah. Would you be? Would you feel safe? Would you think twice about going? And I'm sure most people would. I can imagine that to be the case, you know, Pete, with many. Because there's obviously a lot of sensitive people. I'm a sensitive person, personally, but sensitive people who go to the games, take their little ones with them. Yeah. You know, uh, women with the young kids. If they think, oh, do you know what? 
gets this bad here. I don't want my kid amongst anything that you see as violent as our CEO being put in a headlock. <laughs> it's and again, I, I'm I'm not laughing at that. I'm, it just it just staggers me that it's got to the level in which it has beaten. I think I, I, it's going to rumble on, like you say. I don't see when they can possibly return. I mean, obviously, is, physically, yeah. physically they can, and it would look like something that was, you know, um, a real military effort of getting them in there safely and whatnot, which they probably choose to do anyway to just again double down on the ridiculous PR that they've come out with to make you think like, oh, it's not safe enough here. We need to bring even more security with us. But then, you know, from a sensible point of view, I'm thinking, why? What what scenario would it be that you'd be in the grounds and have people not boo you or or have fans point towards it as why the football club has gone a really shit direction? Yeah. Um, I want to move on because we've spoken a lot about that and the connotation of it with the board not being there. Um, we haven't heard anything from Thelwell. Frank Lampard has been, and, and again, I have sympathy for him, not, not in regards to how poor we've been, because I think that a lot of that's down on him. I have sympathy with him that he's the only one that's come out from the club with any sort of statement. Machiri seems to have gone back into hiding after his ridiculous efforts last week with uh, with Talk Sport and his letters to the, the fan base and whatnot. That seems to have backfired. He's not coming out and saying anything. Um, the board itself just in hiding and don't seem to be doing any work whatsoever. Like I said, Thelwell, we haven't heard of. Obviously, he'd be working at Finch Farm and whatnot. Where does all this point the club in the direction of actually being able to sign someone? Today, and just to put this in evidence, today or context, today, West Ham, we play on Saturday. There's a lot of irony going on in that game. There's a lot of... Um, a lot of anger from both clubs. I think. I mean, if if people want to think about how football club fans go about in certain ways, not too long ago at West Ham, when a couple of fans ran onto the pitch, didn't he, and put the flag in the middle of the pitch, similar to what Sunes did years ago, um, when when he was managing over in Turkey, wasn't it? He? he did that. Um, they had real anger towards their board uh, and their owners, and. It, it, it's still it's still always on the knife edge of that at West Ham. I always find that the, that sort of anger from their fan base isn't far away from ever, you know, it, it really kicking off again. Now, we're looking at a situation, Pete, where we're 19th in the Premier League. The next three games, you've got West Ham away, Arsenal, Premier League leaders at home, and then the Merseyside derby away at Liverpool away before there's a two-week break before we come back. I look at that situation and I don't see that we're going to win any of them, uh, let alone get a point. I think Saturday's the, the only opportunity we've really got because I think Arsenal Arsenal look like a serious, serious title winner now. They're not starting yeah. to look at, like a side that are in contention. You've got an eight-point lead at the top of the Premier League right now. They're signed Trossard today as well, haven't they? He's signed Trossard, who's been, he's been a top, top player for, uh, for Brighton. Yeah. This season and beyond, um, that beside everything, they signed Danny Ings today, who we were allegedly linked to, who we spoke to Aston Villa about, and they said they were only willing to sell him rather than loan him. Loan seemed to be the only thing that we're able to do, as in the financial side of things. We don't have any money or much money to spend. This to me is starting to point even more and more in the direction of relegation, um, because. This anarchy that happens at clubs 
often happens at sides that get relegated. You think of we we get we have to play Leeds soon. Leeds are the side, you man, when they went down. All sorts of issues with uh, Peter Ridsdale, wasn't there? Their chairman. Um, there was a lot Fire of anger amongst, a lot of anger yeah. All of these things have happened in the past that are similar in one way or another to the, the way Everton are going about right now. We've seen these things happen before. But the direct thing to me, what I, what, what I want you to, to talk about here, Peter, is how can this football club go and buy a, say buy a player, even loan a player right now, given the fiasco that's going on in and around them that, that's constantly bubbling below what we see from the team. And then moreover, I think we'll have a quick chat before we've even got 10 minutes or so left. But how does that, how can we be fixated simply just on the squad? I actually think in a way, Frank Lampard has probably, because he's he's not being front and centre with all of this stuff that's happened, what allegedly happened at the club, it's it's probably given him a chance to sort of take stock and mm. be able to go off with the players and they can train their eyes and fully on them. But almost immediately in well, just over 48 hours, it's going to be right back on them when we're going away. We won three games in 19. I can't see anything but a loss there. But how do we go and even get a player? I don't even think it's possible we could probably go and do that. Even I mean, in a literal sense of who's able to go and sort all this out when the board probably aren't even saying a word to anybody? Well, that's it. I mean, I've, I've noticed as well that it's already sort of being half-framed as... You know, um, I've seen a few tweets that have, have suggested the fans, that could, it's the fans, yeah, fault. the fans, yeah, the fans' <laughs> fault, yeah, yeah. That, I knew that was coming. I knew, I knew it was coming. Um, that, that it would be, you know, which player would would want to would want to come and play for this football club while these fans are acting like this. I knew that would be this be the case. But let's be honest, Dave, the, the board have had um, since the summer when when we knew that we were selling Richarlison, the board knew that we were selling them um, when we finished that transfer window without having replaced them properly. When we started the season without a striker. Then we had a World Cup break for six weeks. Um, we've had what three, nearly three weeks of the window already. They haven't signed anyone. This 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 predates anything that's happened with the supporters. Um, so if that excuse is thrown out at any point, I think it's safe to say that um, that 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 is a load of rubbish. Um, that we should have had two or three players in on the first of January. There's no two ways about it. Uh, so there's no excuses at all, uh, in my opinion, in terms of that. And as I say, I mean, it it just kind of hits home the point. The fact that every single team, Nottingham Forest has spent an absolute fortune this season. Bournemouth are just uh, uh, buying players. West Ham are buying players. Everyone around us is buying players. The fact that we're unable to to put bids in for these players, the pl- the fact that we are scraping around for for loans and for for, for free transfers or or you know or you know for for um for players on the cheap. Mm. The fact that that's the type of business we're looking at doing it all points towards a very poorly run football club and it all points towards terrible decision-making over the past six or seven years and longer. Um, you know, a, a football club that is run properly doesn't have the fans being, you know, doesn't have the fans protesting against the board. Mm. A board, you know, a football club that's run properly in a multi, you know, a football club that has the revenues of, of a Premier League football club, they don't have problems buying players um, if, if they're run properly. Um, so at the end of the day, it all comes back to that, doesn't it? You know, I mean, I look at I look at Frank Lampard, and like you say, I do have I do have a degree of sympathy in terms of the position that he's been put in. Uh, one thing is for certain that I always said 
that I'd really sort of judge him after those three home games. And I was hopeful that, yeah. we, that we'd be able to get, I thought, I've always said that. I, yeah. I thought, you know, those three home games are vital um, and we lost everyone. So there's no, there's no, you know, just, <laughs> for me, I think that's it. You know, the writing's on the wall. I, I'm convinced that we're just waiting to see what happens with David Moyes. I think the day that he leaves West Ham, he'll be in Everton the day after. Mm. Um, I think, uh, you know, whether you look at it and think, is it that we can't afford to f- sack Frank Lampard? Is it just pure stubbornness um, from Farad Mashiri? The fact that he's he's obviously already come out and blamed the fans for <laughs> for him sacking all of the other useless managers um, that he's got rid of. Um, you know, I, um, yeah. I, I I don't see I don't see where we go, Dave. But I no. just hope that we can somehow pull a rabbit out of the hat to Kevin Campbell or a, even a Mikel Madara do right now. Yeah. Well, this is it, mate. And, and now it, it just seems that everything, and I mean absolutely everything, has conspired against us. Through no, no fault of anybody else, but the people who are charged with being directors, the owner, what they've gone and done with the, with the manager. And like I say, I think it's impossible not to have a little bit of sympathy. Towards Lampard, the general sympathy I think many people had earlier this season. You look at and I think tactically, if you went back, if I mean you'd have to be quite sad to do so. But if you went back and looked at all of the games we lost this season, the way in which he did with substitution, I mean, I was banging on for ages, if you remember, about why is he not making a substitution until 65, 70 minutes in yeah. every single game? Why <laughs> wasn't he sorting this out? I mean, the little bit of sympathy I have is, well, look at the state of the bench anyway. Who you can put on who's going to change this game. But more to the point, you, you add that to what we did spend money on in, in the summer. Um, mm. This all now, I hate to say anything like this, but when clubs go down, it's very difficult to ever say they didn't deserve to go down. And when you look at our position, you take away from, the, and it's hard enough for us all to do, take away the fact that you know that you're Nevertonian. And you do have sympathy with the sympathy that I have with mate, and sympathy that nobody else seems to have with at that football club is us, the fans. That's who I have sympathy with, mate. You travel to every away every season. You, I try to get to as many as I can. Um, obviously, because I've been quite ill the last couple of years. You've got our season tickets. We go if you've not got a season ticket, it sells out. Um, it's hard to get tickets. We we put our put our colours to the mast every single week. And a load of incompetent people, which I think you have to push Lampard towards in regards to results, not all the, all the shit that went on with alleged assaults and whatnot. And then you look at staff, I look at players, and there just seems to be an endless downward spiral here that will ultimately, for me, and like you said there, this is a really sad way to end the podcast, but... It, it doesn't look like Everton are going to get any further up that league. And I know people will bang on those who are optimistic will be screaming and listening to this saying, oh, we're only two points away from 14th. There's there's only a few points between seven, you know, the bottom third of the Premier League. We'd easily get out this with a couple of wins. Please answer this question. Where do you see Everton's wins coming from? Because I certainly don't, I don't see the players that are going to sort it. I don't see the forwards that are going to sort it. I said this to a friend in work today. The reason why we're not adrift, which I think we will be anyway in the next three games, but I don't think we're adrift because you've got a minimal amount who can make this not look ridiculous, i.e. your central defenders who you can sort of rely upon to a certain extent, Tarkovsky and Cody. You know, you go back 10 games, we were all banging on about we had the best defence in the league. You know, 
the other, I'm looking at the midfield and I'm thinking, you know, Trisha Gay's been one of the worst, in my opinion. You're looking at a way that Lampard can look, and this is where I do have a little bit of sympathy. You look at the rest of that uh, rest of that squad there, and there's there's nobody I look at and thinking, yeah, we'll throw him in. We've gone as far as going to getting loads of kids back from loans they were on, and then ironically just not playing them. It's a real, real mess, guys, and it's uh, it's hard to feel positive. And I know I've always been criticised of being a bit of a downer, so this should be right up my street. But in, in a serious way, it's a really, really hard time to be an Evertonian. And I don't think it's going to get any better. Um, Pete, thanks so much as always, mate. And I know a lot of people have started to become a fan of me and you ranting away on this podcast, haven't they, every week? <laughs> um, and next time, I promise we'll have a good talk about uh, the WSL and the women's team who are doing a lot better. Um, but for now, yeah, let's hope things get better. And uh, Godspeed for everyone who's never Evertonian right now. We'll speak to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.